0: Bloomington City Council candidates explain what they hear in the city's historic neighborhoods. They value historic preservation, being able to walk to parks.
1: I keep hearing again and again that they
0: would like to see our infrastructure brought back to the level it should be. That story coming up on WGLT's Sound Ideas. Good afternoon. I'm John Norton. On today's show, you'll also hear from Illinois Secretary of State, Alexi Chanulias, who outlines plans for digital driver's
2: licenses. No one really expects Illinois to be the first a lot of this new technology, but we can't afford to be the last either.
0: Central Illinois winemakers band together to market a new wine trail, and hear the People's Choice winner at Illinois State University's three-minute thesis competition. Bloomington Normal News Update, which is just ahead. This is WGLT Sound Ideas on 89.1 FM and WGLT.org, part of the NPR network.
3: Support for WGLT comes from Bloomington Normal Audiology. Here, My Story continues with local patient Ryan Fuller and his mother, Stephanie.
4: I used to be under impression that I'd get made fun of and bullied, but I have not. People have actually like, oh, that's cool, you know? It's just something different, and I embrace that.
3: Ryan and Stephanie's full story can be found at BNAudiology.com.
0: From the campus of Illinois State University in Normal, this is WGLT's news magazine, Sound Ideas. I'm John Norton. The Bloomington City Council will look much different after the spring elections. A majority of council seats will be on the ballot for the April 4th municipal elections. Only one candidate is an incumbent. The two contested city council races covered downtown and some of its oldest neighborhoods. Today, WGLT's Eric Stock previews the race in the city's fourth ward, east of downtown.
5: Julie Emig is not running for re-election. Two men are running to replace her on the Bloomington City Council, John Wyatt Dannenberger and Stephen Nalewski. In the city's new maps, Ward 4 runs from Constitution Trail East to Veterans Parkway and from South Central Bloomington to the border with Normal. The ward features several historic
3: neighborhoods. Dannenberger says residents there want to live in a shared community. Like me, they value historic preservation, being able to walk to parks, to the trail and downtown. They want safe streets, great schools, and to live near essential shopping. What's more, they want to be part of something bigger than their address. Dannenberger is a lawyer for State Farm.
5: He previously served as an attorney in the Army. Nalovsky retired last year as an engineer with the Woodford County Highway Department. Nalovsky says he moved to Bloomington over three decades
1: ago. Nalovsky says residents tell him they want the city to spend more on roads. I keep hearing again and again that they would like to see our infrastructure brought back to the level it should be. Nalewski has a fondness for one road in particular,
5: the Muller Road. He serves on the Route 66 Association of Illinois board. John Y. Dannenberger serves on the Bloomington Planning Commission. He says he wants the city to improve its under-the-ground infrastructure in its older neighborhoods. Some Bloomington residents saw their homes flooded during heavy storms. He says the city has offered some help, but hasn't always
3: messaged it effectively. One example are the grants the city offered to flood victims. And this is great news. And it's designed to encourage new homeowners to apply for assistance in repairing basement flooding problems. But again, the city hasn't done a great job of putting this out. So that's one project that I think that the city could do a little bit better in, in informing uh, you know the general public and especially the people that are looking to move to the historic neighborhoods. Politically speaking,
5: Dannenberger says he considers himself more progressive on social issues, but says he's more of a
3: centrist when it comes to municipal government. So as a candidate who supports social equality for all genders, races and sexual orientation, I may score myself higher for those issues. But on the flip side, as someone who is fiscally responsible and is always looking to get the greatest output for the dollar spent... I would say I am smack dab in the middle at a five. That was
5: on an ideological scale of one to ten. Stephen Lofsky didn't offer a number to peg
1: his political identity. Instead, he offered his three priorities in this election. What I put on my, um, my priorities have been fiscal responsibility. Um, Uh, prioritize infrastructure and support law enforcement. Now, Lusky says he's concerned city taxes are going to make it too expensive for some to live here. Taxes and fees keep creeping up and it's making it harder for people on um, especially fixed incomes to still live here. And that's a, a big concern to them because they don't want to move. They like living here. When asked what the city should
5: cut, Nalewski said the city should hire fewer consultants and not take on any big building projects. A major project the city council will address in the coming years is its downtown streetscape, a plan that could cost into tens of millions of dollars over many years. John Y. Danneberger says the city should think big. He says he'd like to see the city streetscape design extend north of downtown all the way to Illinois Wesleyan and tie in with the university's innovation hub. As someone who's lived in Europe, Dannenberger says he has seen communities successfully make their downtown more pedestrian and bike friendly. He says that could be done here, too, with the modifications to appease business owners concerned about parking.
3: And I think we can kind of do the same. We can maybe do it the American way. We can ask those stores, what are your busiest hours? When do people really need to come by Red Raccoon or Bob's Bay Books and want to pick up a few books and maybe they have trouble with mobility themselves? Dannenberger suggests the city offer for on-street parking during limited hours. Stephen
5: Lusky says any downtown plan will require lots of input from residents and business owners
1: in the city's core, and he'd prefer incremental changes. I'm sure that they don't want their real estate taxes to go up because of this, and that might put them out of business. So I would really want to make sure they're involved with that. John Y. Dannenberger says the city may need to
5: temporarily operate in the red to promote reinvestment, keep affordable housing near downtown, preserve historic neighborhoods, and maximize federal tax credits and block grants. The city's downtown arena has been mostly operating in the red since it opened 17 years ago. Candidates Stephen Nalewski and John Y. Dannenberger say they both want to see how the venue fares now that it's under city management. Nalewski says if the arena still can't break even,
1: it would have to explore other options. He was asked if that could include selling it or tearing it down. I would think tearing it down would be the, the least favorable, but um, if, it, if we could sell it to someone that could make a profit, um, I don't know if that would be a bad idea because I'm not sure that the city needs to be in the business of running arenas. John White Dannenberger says the arena has become an albatross for the city. He says the city
5: will
3: have to get creative to find new ways to fill the venue. My feeling is that it's still underutilized. Having been in the building before, I see no reason it couldn't serve as the hosting stage for Brugola, or a local convention center, for example, an electric vehicle manufacturer, a microbrewery craft beer convention or the type of conventions other towns have. Tannenberger says he also wants the city to further explore smart cities initiatives and how a
5: future with autonomous vehicles will impact transportation. Nalewski says his background in industrial design has given him the ability to build roads and to solve problems, skills he hopes to take to city hall. The voters will decide which candidate is best suited to help steer the city's future over the next four years. Early voting is
0: underway. I'm Eric Stock. Tomorrow on Sound Ideas, it's a preview of the race in Bloomington's Ward 6 between Jordan Baker and Cody Hendricks. Three other Bloomington City Council races have only one candidate. This is Sound Ideas on WGLT. I'm John Norton. Illinois Secretary of State Alexei Junilius says modernization is a priority for his office. Colin Shope from sister station WCBU caught up with him while visiting a local DMV to learn more about what modernization looks like.
2: We've fallen behind a little bit, um, but I'm confident with our Skip the Line program, with a new app, with a new website, digital driver's license, digital IDs, uh, fixing our automatic voter registration system, bringing that technology to business services in our libraries. Uh, We can make it easier for people to do business with the Secretary of State's office.
6: I was curious about your stance on a House bill. I believe it's 0867. It's a uh, one license plate bill. It's something that's been suggested a few times in the past. Would you support a single license plate bill in Illinois or not? I'm going to have to take a look at it, but right now we do not support it. There's been an ongoing conversation about the possibility of uh, digital driver's licenses, not just in Illinois, but across the country. Is that a measure that your office would support? And how do you begin sort of overcoming the hump of, you know, technology access when it comes to a digital driver's license? Well,
2: I think more more broadly, we have to modernize the Secretary of State's office. That's why we've been traveling across the state visiting our facilities. We have to bring new technology and modernization into every element of the Secretary of State's office. We want to eliminate the time tax that people are are paying just to access government services. So, one of the components of that eventually will be digital IDs, digital driver's license. In the meantime, um, we announced our Skip the Line program. People can schedule an appointment. We're going to have an app. Uh, we're looking at electronic car titles. So, modernization will be at the forefront of everything we do. Uh, and I'm excited about that.
6: So is the intention that a digital ID or digital driver's license could replace a physical one or is the idea that it would be an uh, alternative, another option? Uh, at first, it'll be an alternative and I think, you know, again,
2: ultimately, um, other states are doing it. Uh, ultimately, it'll probably be where everyone in the country goes, you know, no one really expects Illinois to be the first, a lot of this new technology, but we can't afford to be the last either. How is, are you aiming to modernize the DMV experience? Again, a lot of it. Centers um, uh, are on our skip the line program, the ability to schedule an appointment. Uh, we don't want people waiting in line. You know, we don't want people uh, taking a long time. So modernization. Uh, we're gonna have a new website, um, digital driver's license, digital IDs. Um, we'll change the way we conduct business. This is a customer service business, um, and everything we do is gonna be based around making that customer experience a little smoother.
6: Secretary of State Office handles some other things. I guess it's most well known for the DMV. Uh, does modernization touch any of the other responsibilities for the Secretary of State Office? Uh, yeah, it touches all of, uh, You know, we're a business services, for example. If someone wants to start a business in Illinois, they
2: come through our office. We want to make that whole process a lot more efficient. Our securities division, our libraries, you know, we're the state's li- chief librarian. Um, we want to end that,
6: narrow that digital divide. You mentioned uh, the libraries are one thing the secretary of state office is responsible for at a time when there's a lot of discussion uh, in states across the country about what books should or shouldn't be in a library. Do Illinoisans have any concern or need to have any concerns about those sorts of conversations here where we're deciding what books should or should not be in our public libraries? Fundamentally, you know, I think the banning of books is dangerous. I
2: think it goes against the the very foundation of what education should be about, which is uh, teaching young boys and girls uh, to think for themselves. So I'm hopefully, you know, it doesn't flare up, but we're, you're gonna be hearing more from us on that.
6: You bill yourself as an expert at uh, kind of reaching across the aisle. The best example I can think of is Dan Brady being on your transition team. Um, how do you plan on continuing to express that willingness to work across the aisle moving forward? Well, you know, uh, again, Secretary of State's office is a customer service uh, office.
2: I've always believed that government should be about public service helping others. I've always worked well with folks whether they're Democrats or Republicans, I don't care if someone's smart and they have good ideas. Uh, let's work together and, and help people. So maybe that's a naive way of thinking. But from mine, from when, you know, when I talk to voters, that's what they want to see more of, not less of.
6: I noticed you asking some of the employees here how they felt about the appointment uh, uh, system, having to make an appointment at the DMV. What are you hearing from employees about appointments? And uh, why is the change important? People seem to really like it. Um,
2: if you're a senior citizen, you don't have to make an appointment. But it makes it easier for the people who work in the Secretary of State's office, it makes it easier for people who are coming in. They know what time to be here, we, we're prepared for them. It just makes everything run a lot smoother. We're also gonna focus on on voting rights and our uh, fixing our automatic voter registration system, um, which we think will help uh, increase voter turnout. We want as much participation in the process as possible.
0: That was Colin Shope from sister station WCBU speaking with new Secretary of State Alexei Janoulias. The Secretary of State's office will also make some changes to organ donor programs. Janoulias says the changes should help make the process easier for donors and recipients. Sound Ideas is WGLT's news magazine. Thanks for listening. I'm John Norton. Nine Central Illinois wineries are banding together to create the new Heart of Illinois Wine Trail. The business owners believe working together will ultimately create a larger agritourism draw for the region as a whole. Tim Shelley from sister station WCBU spoke with Spoon River Junction winery owner Brad Beam, Lisa Berry of Trey Rose Haas Winery, and Mackinac Valley Vineyard owner Diane Hahn to learn more. A wine trail is basically a collection of
4: wineries that get together for a unified purpose. Um, Over the last four or five years. We've had probably somewhere between three and five wineries pop up in the central Illinois area, kind of connecting the dots between the other wineries in the central Illinois area. And so uh, collectively now we have nine, which is great, but it's a, a short jump or hop, skip, and a jump from one to the other. And so from our perspective, um, a trail really means it's a uh, collective voice, vision, and marketing push to let people in our region know what we're all about. You know, which is um, locally grown grapes, uh, high quality wine production, and a really great time.
3: Why is it important for all of you to work together for that collective push?
7: So the wine industry, and, and we're a little bit newer uh, to it, um it's a very cohesive and very collaborative industry you don't find a lot of winemakers living next door to you so um we meet on a regular basis and in one of our quarterly meetings we brought up the idea of doing some collaborative marketing um and to brad's point um, five or six of us are just within the past decade a little bit newer to um, the wine scene so Uh, let's go ahead and make our voices heard or our presence known so that people can come and visit.
3: And when you say they're newer, uh, I mean, has there been a general increase in people starting these businesses? And I guess, Lisa, you're probably a, a good one to talk about why are more people getting into this?
7: Well, I, I will say that we've had a couple of the wineries in the central region wink out in the past couple of years, um, and so as wineries, um, you know, exit, more you know wineries pop up. I would say Illinois has how many? Over 120, 140 wineries.
4: That's a good guess. Yeah. Tasting, yeah.
7: tasting rooms. Um, so I think there's a continual cycle um, of
8: you know, Mackinac, you've been there for how long now? It, well, the the tasting room will be open 20 years this year, and then the vineyards are about five years older than that. So about 25 years. Yeah, but, well. you know, I think to your, to your point, too, that Lisa and Brad were making, I think, you know, a lot of times you'll find people that kind of come to this as maybe a second career. Um, Maybe they've done a a life's work of something. They love wine. They start looking at this maybe as a hobby at first and then realize if I'm going to do this, I I really need to do it.
4: I have uh, something more to say just about why people get into the business. I mean, the short answer is sheer lunacy, but the, but really, they're looking to connect themselves to something. You know, like uh, Diane was saying, they've come to this in a, as a second career for the most part. Very few of us in the industry have made a career out of it out of the gate. Um, but it's uh, it's a different type of world to work in. Um, as Lisa and Diane and everyone on our trail can tell you, it's all-encompassing. It's consuming. You know, it's, it's a... Uh, very active, involved venture that's going to take every ounce of energy that you have to keep it going. Um, but the people that come and visit us um, kind of recharge the batteries a little bit. You know, we get a lot yeah. out of them when they come and see us. And when we throw um, some kind of shindig and throw a party, have a good time, um, it kind of kind of brings us back up so we can do it all again. You know, winemaking is not an easy career, and it's certainly not the best way in the world to make money. But... <laughs> it's a very satisfying (laughs) profession.
7: Yeah, the people are the best part, that is for sure.
4: We all learn together, Mm -hmm. um, and we've all come a long way. And and I think one of the reasons the trail is, uh, now's the time for the trail, really, is because um, we've arrived, we're there. Quality's up, Mm -hmm. Uh, the facilities are beautiful. Uh, We have created not only great wine, but great destinations for people. And so it's time to kind of collectively start pushing um, our message out to the public.
8: And, and make it easy mm-hmm. for customers to find us, too. I'm, and I want to give a plug. Can I can I say what wineries are on the trail? Uh, we can, yes. Okay. So in Peoria-Bloomington area, we have Bent Tree Tasting Room at Old Mill Vineyard in Metamora, Trey Rojas Winery in Washington that Lisa and her husband Bob have, Um, Mackinac Valley Vineyard and Mackinac, which is us. Then if you loop down toward the Springfield area, there's Hill Prairie Winery in Oakford and west of Wise in Petersburg. And then we have um, Canton area, Brad's Winery, Spoon River Junction. And then in Lewiston, which is right near Canton, the Big Horse Winery and Native Trails Winery. And they're actually next door to each other. There's kind of a family relationship between those owners. And then Galesburg area right off the 74 is Hidden Hills Winery. And so it's a nice... um, Loop. It's something. If we, you know, local people can maybe think, okay, this this weekend I might visit the Peoria, Bloomington ones. Next weekend, go to the Springfield area. Next weekend, go up to hit the um, Canton, you know, kind of area, and then maybe check out Hidden Hills on the way to Galesburg. So it's a nice, you know, it's not a hard trip. And then of course we're trying to look at maybe inviting people here from Chicago, St. Louis that might yeah. go to other wineries in Michigan or Missouri and say, hey come to central illinois and see what we have
0: that was diane hahn bradley beam and lisa berry speaking with tim shelley from sister station wcbu about the new heart of illinois wine trail support for wglt agriculture coverage comes from growmark
5: and its fs members your trusted advisor in all your ag decisions
0: This is Sound Ideas on WGLT. I'm John Norton. A Thai theater director and graduate student at Illinois State University urges American audience to think and see beyond U.S. borders. Sanawi Meta Ottawa won the People's Choice Awards at ISU's three-minute thesis competition held at the Normal Theater. Maeda Onawa studies theater and dance at the Wansu Kim College of Fine Arts. His thesis explores the idea of creating experiences that unearth biases in American theater audiences.
9: Slavery, economic collapse, racism. What images come to mind when I name these events? The American Civil War, the Great Depression, or the Holocaust? If you only thought of the images from the Western experience, you might want to broaden your mind a little. These events repeatedly happen worldwide, disguised in various forms, names, and cultural contexts. I am a Thai theater director passionate about creating experience that will unearth biases in American theater audiences. As a theater director, my job is to analyze plays, explore themes, and facilitate conversation with the design team to create a design concept that will provoke thoughts. Since I came to the U.S., I have chosen plays by major Americans and European playwrights. For my thesis, I chose Bertolt Brecht's 1939 anti-war masterpiece *Mother Courage and Her Children*. But as a world citizen, I want to flip the narrative to expand this play beyond its Eurocentric roots. Mother Courage tells a story of a mother and her children carrying her wagon trying to profit by selling overpriced goods across the European Thirty Years' War in the 17th century. Brex used the setting of a 30 years war to reflect on world wars. To bring this issue close to the present, we design costume based on the Cold War era. We have a huge painting as a background uh, for the set design, blending the silhouettes of war-torn architecture worldwide. Brex place includes brief description before each scene starts. Traditionally, these descriptions are presented through placards, but we take a different approach. We translated and recorded them in many languages from countries impacted by war, including the Ojibwe Nation, Nigeria, China, Poland, Spain, and many more. The audiences saw the projection in English and translated language, while they heard the recorded translation. We call this global narration. We deliberately choose Anishinaabe moving to introduce the first scene of the play, because it's an indigenous language of central Illinois. This way, we can emphasize both local and global dimensions of war, and how war affects every culture in the world. My research showed that we can still study these canonical Western texts and take control of the narrative to create an inclusive conversation through art. We can create and make a dynamic theater for social change that will make the world feel connected. Thank you.
0: That Sanawi maeda Anawa the People's Choice winner at ISU's three-minute thesis competition, he received a $750 cash prize. Tomorrow on Sound Ideas, you'll hear the thesis that took first prize. And that is today's Sound Ideas, made possible in part by Bloomington Normal Audiology. I'm John Norton, the show today produced by Samantha Hill. This is 89.1 FM, WGLT, and WGLT.org, Bloomington Normal's public media, part of the NPR network.